Hi everybody, um, we're going to continue our series today called Overloaded. Uh, we're looking for margin in our life and margin by definition is that continuous area that is free, available and unoccupied. Now today we're specifically going to look at financial space or margin. That's right. Now, have you noticed with all the freeway construction that's going on in our area, have you ever driven down the 15 freeway to the north and have all those cement dividers? If you're in the fast lane, I mean, they're right on you. I mean, there is no room for air whatsoever. My wife hates when I drive in the fast lane with all those cement barriers there because, like I said, there is no room for air. Well, let me tell you about your life and mine, possibly. Our finances can get just like that. We can be driving so close to the edge that there is no room for air because we have no margin financially, no continuous area, free, unoccupied, and available. And so today, in our Overloaded series, we want to be able to create space or margin in, in our life. Now, <clears throat> Americans. Americans are stressful for many, many reasons. But did you know that 44% of Americans say that money is the dominant source of stress in their life? Oh yeah, my friends, and this leads to depression, it leads to anxiety, it leads to ulcers, digestive problems, it leads to migraines, it leads to high blood pressure, disruptive sleep. Yeah, all because we're worrying about this thing called money. Now, the problem for most people is the same, and that is that simple little word, debt. We dig ourselves into deep, deep holes that it takes years to get out of. Now, let me tell you right now, <clears throat> I've noticed something. Back in 08, 09, we went into a big tailspin economically in America. Things have been going really, really good now. I know we're hitting a little bump with the coronavirus crisis and the stock market, but this too will pass. But the economy's been really cranking away. The problem is this, that when things get good again, we forget the way things were. And it's like someone said a long time ago, whoever doesn't remember the past is destined to repeat it. You just got to be careful. And so we want to create financial margin, space in your life, that continuous area that's free, unoccupied, and available. And so we want to be able to take you down a road today that's going to help you in that. Now, let me tell you, I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you create space. I'm here to give you the power and the tools to do that. But, but I got to be honest with you. This message today, it feels almost ridiculously simplistic. It's like, it's stuff you know. It's, everyone knows this. But that's not the problem, is it? The problem isn't that everyone knows it. The problem is not everyone does it. And so we want to help you. We want to get you down the road because it's not just about good intentions. It takes action. It takes discipline. It takes work. And it's continuous to be able to get you into the right place so that you're not against that cement barrier financially, so, so to speak. Now, hold the thought. Let me read to you our verse of the month. And as you're watching this, you can say it out loud at home. It's Mark 6.31, and it says this. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. For there were many people coming and going, 
and they did not even have time to eat. We've read this every week. We know we feel that way at times when it's up to here and we don't have time for anything else and we're just overloaded in life. And what we've been talking about is we don't want to be a human doing anymore. We want to be a human being. So our tagline has been, we're going to put the B back in the being. We're going to move from I have to in life to I want to. That I'm a human being again. I'm not a human doing anymore. And finances is one of the most important areas of life. Like we said earlier, it can create so much stress. So if you have your Bibles or your phone uh, app Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. He said, Jim, we've, we've, we've went through that before. Yeah, it's a great, great chapter. Great chapter. Now, <clears throat> here we go. Point one, to create financial peace, we created by living lordship. Living lordship. Now, <clears throat> that may sound strange if you're not a follower of Christ. But just, just hold on for a second because I used to feel the same way. Lordship? What, what are you talking about? Well, as a follower of Christ now, for 40 years, it makes perfect sense. Now, watch Matthew chapter 6, Jesus speaking, verse 25 to 33. We're going to live lordship, watch. He says, for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Now, the word worry there, it's a fantastic word. It means to be pulled apart, pulled apart mentally. Our mind is so stressed. It's so ripped on the inside. He says, don't get pulled apart. Don't stress out like this, he says, about your life. And then he defines your life as what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor for, what, for your body as to what you will put on. Ah, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He's talking about stuff. He's talking about the things in life. He says, don't stress over these things. Don't get your mind all ripped up about it. And then verse 26, now Jesus begins to give us some application. He says, <clears throat> look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. In other words, as a follower of Christ, we're not orphans. Are you not worth much more than they? Jesus says this about reducing stress. He goes, look, guys, take a look at the birds. Our Heavenly Father feeds them. Now, let me just give you a quick thought on that. Have you ever seen stressed out birds saying, oh my gosh, where am I going to get my food out? You've never seen a stressed out bird. But let me tell you, God doesn't drop the meat on them. They got to go looking for it. God has it out there, but they got to go get it. That's so true in our life too. You can't just sit there and say, God, give me, give me, give me. I, I need this. No, you got to go make it happen. You got to go work. You got to go find that thing. Even in the Old Testament, for the poor, the dirt poor of society, the people would, uh, were told, and, by, and they had to make their choice, but they were told, and on your land, when you harvest, leave the corners there, unharvested. And the poor people who are hungry can come and they can harvest that, which means this. There was a great way to help poor people, but they didn't just bring the poor people the food. They had to go work for the food. I like that. It's a principle through Scripture. If a man will not work, neither will he eat. So God places it out there. If God is your father, you got to go get it. But it is there for you to get. And he says, look, are you not worth much more than a bird? Of course you are. It's rhetorical. Verse 27. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to your life? In other words, can worry help you live longer? No. Worry reduces the length of your life. And why are you worried about clothing? 
Observe, he says, now look again, observe how the lilies of the field, look at the flowers, look at the field. They do not toil, nor do they spin. They don't work, and they don't, they're not on some kind of a sewing machine putting the material, sewing material together. No. He says, yet I say to you that not even Solomon, who was the richest man who ever lived, <laughs> man, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. He says, look, the birds are clothed better than any of the richest people on the planet. God takes care of them. And, and so too the flowers. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Come on. Trust your Father in heaven. Trust him. Segway. Some of you didn't have a dad. Some of you had people walk out on you. It's very hard for you to believe that someone could take care of you, huh? Because you had to make it on your own. And you had to do it. Let me tell you, you have a heavenly father if you put your faith in him that loves you. And he'll take care of you. And he can be trusted. Just put your faith in him. Verse 31. Do not worry then, saying, now there, here's the self-talk now. What shall we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear clothes? In other words, don't self-talk yourself like that. It's doubt, doubt, doubt. It's stress, 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 and worry, worry, worry. He says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows it. He knows what you need. Verse 33. And this is the verse I used last week as an introduction. He says, but seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, the Father's kingdom, and his righteousness, meaning his ways, and all these things shall be added to you. Whoa, remember when I gave you the illustration? If you chase after stuff, God's going to say they go have at it, man. Go ahead, beat yourself to the ground. But if you chase after God, make God number one, then stuff will follow you because you're making God number one. Put first things first in your life. What is this all saying? What's the culmination of it all? Live lordship. Make God your financial advisor. Make what God says in this in this book here, this Bible, the way you operate. Let me tell you about how you handle your finances, why it's important. How you handle your finances should honor God and should testify to the reality that He is alive and He's alive in you. We follow His way, not our own way. That is lordship. Now, number two in your notes, you create financial peace by, this is deep, this is deep, you ready? It's deep. Spending less than you earn. Is that deep or what? You said, Jim, we already know that. Yeah, but we don't do it. That, see, that's not, that's not, everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. But not everyone does it. That's why I have to speak these simplistic things every so often. Now, I'm going to take you to an Old Testament passage in uh, Genesis chapter 41. This is Joseph now. Joseph has interpreted the dream of Pharaoh. We're going to read from verse 33 to 36. But by this time, the dream's interpreted, and Joseph told Pharaoh, here's the interpretation. For seven years, the economy of Egypt is going to be just blazing, man. It's going to be great. You're going to have so much. But then, after those seven years of a great economy, then it's going to be tragic. There's going to be famine. The economy's going to collapse for seven years. And here's what Joseph tells Pharaoh to do. Verse 33. Now let Pharaoh look for a man 
discerning and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. I can only imagine Joseph going, look for a man, because he's discerning Joseph smart. Let Pharaoh take action, verse 34, to appoint overseers in charge of the land, and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. In other words, every year, 20% keeps coming out and goes into storage, all the grain. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. You got to guard your finances. Verse 36, let the food become as a reserve. Say reserve. That's what you need. That's your reserve. That's your savings. That's your retirement. That's what you put away. A reserve for the land for seven years of famine, which will occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish during the famine. This is wisdom. Now let me tell you what he's telling him. He goes, look guys, every year during the good times, for seven years, put away 20%. Let me translate it to you and I as a follower of Christ. You've heard me say this before. I live this thing. If you're not a follower of Christ, I'll make it applicable to you. But live the 10, 10, 80 way of finances. It's followers of Christ. The first 10% of your income goes to the local church where you attend. The first 10%. If you wait to give the last 10%, you will never give it. You just won't do it. Nobody will. The first 10 goes to God. The second 10% goes to savings, retirement accounts, however you do it. Then the 80% left over, that you pay your bills, your monthly bills, and you go out to eat, you go to movies, you go on vacation, whatever you want to do with it. But that's the way you live. But you discipline yourself to get there. Now, if you're not a follower of Christ, the 10%, you say, oh, give it to the church, then give it to a charity. Go help someone. Give your money to people in need. Help someone. Now, we'll get into why later on. Now, <clears throat> let me tell you what this requires is 10, 10, 80. Discipline. You've got to tell yourself no. You've got to be able to say, no, I, I'm not going to spend that. No, I'm not going to take on another debt. No, I'm not going to get myself to the cement rails on the freeway financial. I'm not going to do that. Let me tell you what else it means. You've got to budget. You've got to know where your money's going or where your money went. You, you have to know this. But let me tell you one of the biggest ones that people fall in, into the trap of. You've got to know the difference between a desire and a need. See, there's a lot of things I desire, and you too. But do I really need that? That's where we make our mistake. Oh, I want that, I want that, I want that. We go deeper and deeper, deeper into debt. You got to be careful, because that's where we make our mistakes. Now, let me give you some, 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 a practical illustration. You start saving money, it'll reduce financial stress. Let me explain. So we bought this refrigerator 11 years ago, Olivia and I. About two and a half years in, it started to break down with regularity. And so we'd have it fixed, then it'd break down. We'd have it fixed, and it'd break down. And it just went on like that. Last eight and a half years. About seven, eight months ago, we had it fixed again. And the guy even told us, he goes, this refrigerator that you bought, he goes, I, I'm going to fix it, but it will break again. This, this, these aren't good. It may last a month, it may last six months, it may last a year. Well, it lasts about four months, and it went right back to what it was doing, broke again. This time I told Olivia, I said, we're not calling any repairmen. I'm done with that refrigerator. We're going to buy a new refrigerator. Go, go find one. Go do it. So 
So she goes looking. And she's showing me some, and we go look around, and she showed me one which she wouldn't buy. But it was 30-some hundred dollars. It was kind of with the, 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 you could see inside of it had the glass on there. That thing was so technologically advanced. That thing would drive your kids to school in the morning. It was so cool. But we weren't, we're not going there. So she finds other ones for a way lower price that, you know, that we thought, okay, this is what we need right here. And, and she still hasn't bought it. She still hasn't made, she will, but, but here's the thing. No stress. For 40 years of my life, I've lived 10, 10, 80. For 40 years, week in, week out. My wife needs a refrigerator, go buy it. Now, for you and I, that means you need a set of four tires brand new, then you go buy it cash, you live 10, 10, 80. Tranny goes out, you go fix it cash, because you live 10, 10, 80. Now my wife and I are very frugal. My shirts, I buy them at Marshall's for $12.99. I don't spend a lot of money on clothing. I buy most of my denim at Old Navy when it's 50% off. That's right, I'm frugal. Let me tell you how frugal I am because I live this 10, 10, 80. There was this denim jacket that I saw my son Nathan wearing back in like October, and I thought, I like that jacket. I gotta get that jacket. I had desire. And so I found out it was at H&M, and I went to H&M and I, it was 50 bucks, and I tried it on large. I thought, frugal Jim has an idea. I didn't buy it. I wanted it bad. So I went online every week to see there's still 50 bucks, still 50 bucks, still 50. The closer it got to Christmas, there came a moment in time when I saw it, it dropped to 35, 34.99 actually. And when I saw that, I just I turned into a bird. I came swooping in like a vulture. Ah, here I come, man. And I bought that thing for 35 bucks instead of 50. I saved 30% on that deal. And that's what I do all the time. Because I live 10, 10, 80. I don't deprive myself of some of the things that, that I would like, but I don't go crazy on it. You've got to know the difference between desire and need, and you've got to live the 10, 10, 80. You've got to go know that Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord of your life and not the stuff, my friends. Now, <clears throat> Let, let, me, let me warn you about something. Here's what they say. People that study this stuff, way more than I do, watch this. They say that one-third of all shoppers experience, let me read it, irresistible compulsion to buy. Ah. When they go shopping, they experience irresistible compulsion to buy, which means they buy out of impulse. And why? It's fun. It's fun. Oh, look at that. I want to get that. Oh, look at that. I want to get that. They buy out of impulse. It's fun. And it makes you feel good for about a week. And then you see, you've spent money you don't need. You don't, probably don't use it very often. Or maybe you put on your credit card and you're in debt. And it's like it, the, the feelings wear off. Speaking of credit cards, I love to speak about those. Let me, let me tell you about credit cards. If you're not paying everything off on that credit card at the end of the month, the banks love you. Let me tell you why. Let's say you have got $2,000 on a credit card at that great interest rate of 18%. And you pay the minimum payment every month. Do you know how long it will take you to pay off the $2,000? Over 30 years. And the banks love you. Let me take it further on that. Let's say you have that credit card from your bank and let's say you have money saved in that bank in the savings account. 
They're paying you less than 1% interest on your savings, and then they're taking your money and loaning it back to you on that credit card for 15 to 18%. They're using your money against you, and they love you. Don't blame the banks. Don't say, oh, those, those rich people. No, stop it. Stop it. You hear too much of that. Take responsibility for yourself and live it right. If you were in their position, you'd do the same thing. So don't sit there and do the blame game. What you and I need to do is discipline ourselves. Get out of debt. Now, let me tell you, we have a great tool here that we use in many churches and even businesses use this across the country. It's the Dave Ramsey Financial Piece. We call it impact. It comes up every time we do life groups. It'll come up again late April. Sign up for it. I've taken it twice. Sign up for it. And watch what it is. $99 a person or, for, or per couple. And you're in it for life. Then you've got all the resources and tools. It's great. Do it. The third thing is this. <clears throat> Create financial peace by neutralizing the ultimate competitor. What do I mean by the ultimate competitor? Well, <clears throat> let me read Matthew chapter 6 again, verse 24, and it says this. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. This is Jesus saying this. Okay. <clears throat> what does he mean? I have to decide who's God. Is God God? Or is stuff my God? It's one or it's the other. It goes back to lordship again. I got to live lordship. Because the ultimate competitor against God being number one in my life is money. Is money. Now, now, listen, listen. Let me drive this home now. <clears throat> How do I neutralize the power of money and stuff over me? It's simple. The answer is simple. And here it is. Be generous. Be generous. Once you start 10, 10, 80, and you start building savings and building things over months and years, oh my gosh. You're further away from the cement barrier of finances. There's no more collisions over there. And now it gets really fun. You can be generous. You can help other people when they're in need. And that's fun. I wonder how many of us here at New Beginnings, when the AB offering came up, we thought to ourselves, I can't give anything. I'm at the barrier, man. And you couldn't because you haven't lived it right my gosh, my friends, you're missing out on so much fun. Do you know it's a proven fact that generous people are joy-filled people? Yeah. Generous people, it's fun and it's joyful. It just feels good. It neutralizes the ultimate competitor in our life, money, and makes God number one overall. Now, last thought. Last thought. How can I tell if Jesus is Lord of my life or money is Lord. Hmm. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does that mean, preacher? Okay. Where your treasure, your heart is. How do I know? How do I know? If money is my God or God is my God. Take a look at your monthly bank statement. It don't lie. It doesn't lie. It tells you where that money's going. Take a look at it. Are you generous? Or are you just in deep, deep debt? Just buying stuff to yourself all the time? You live in 10, 10, 80? 
What are you doing? Because it doesn't lie. It'll tell you if God is God or stuff is God. Somebody said a long time ago, because it's lordship, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And there's still a lot of truth to that statement. Now, if you're watching me online and you're not a follower of Christ, we began way back with seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You have an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life if you're not a follower. Or if you backslid, you've walked away from God and Jesus is no longer number one in your life. And you know it. And you know it. Come on, man. Come on. This is your opportunity to get right with God again. Yeah. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus to become a follower of Christ or you need to rededicate your life, I'm going to say a prayer right now. I want you to repeat it out there. If you're watching me, and you'd like to put your faith in Christ for the first time or rededicate your life. Here it is. Repeat after me. But believe in Jesus as you say it. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Today I choose to follow you. I give you my entire life. I'm making you number one in my life. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Now let me pray for you. God, I pray for all those who said that prayer in faith. Keep them, cover them. I pray they get into church. I pray they begin to follow you, Lord. I pray they get a Bible. We have them here for you. When we get back to normal here, come and get one. Start reading the New Testament. Start knowing about your Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.